Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our 6 p.m. service. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Okay, everyone, why don't you find your seat? It's so good to be here tonight and isn't it great to join all of our campuses together as we celebrate what God is doing uh, in and through Gateway and Gateway Beyond and to celebrate with some of our workers. And uh, it's great to be here. For those I'm yet to meet, my name's Andrew Main. I'm the Ormo Campus Pastor and uh, I'm the one that has the privilege of encouraging you all tonight. As many of us heard uh, stories from the past, it's often a moment like this where God just puts his finger on some people, and I believe tonight that he wants to do that as well. You know, I really like being comfortable. If someone asked me to describe my fashion, I'd say it's comfortable with a mix of Dubbo kind of stirred in. (laughs) But I really go for comfort. It's what I like. Those that know our family, uh, we love to camp, and we often go to tourist parks, but I also enjoy going off the grid. Now, when you go camping to those places no one else is, where there's no amenities and there's no civilization nearby, I love those moments when I get to do it. But I'll just let you in on a little secret about myself. I am a little bit soft. Even when I go off the grid, I make sure that there is somewhere that I can have a shower to end the day. Even if it's a little 12-volt thing, I like to shower to get all the dirt off and to crawl into a nice, warm, cozy bed with no fish smell and no sand on me because I like to be comfortable. I also make sure on those trips that there's an adequate toilet facility so I can do my business in comfort. Because this body likes its comfort. My first ever short-term mission team that I went on went to a part of the world that didn't have toilets that my body was familiar with. And the moment that I saw one of those toilets that doesn't rise up out of the ground, just has a hole in the ground, and you're expected to squat over, my body went into instant lockdown. I didn't have to talk it into it, it just happened. Because there is no way in the world this body's squatting over any hole and using a bucket of water to clean things up. When I found that adequate toilet facility, well, it was a bad night. I like to be comfortable, but there's no more comfortable place for me than in my recliner. And this is a good substitute, but the one I've got at home, the leg kicks up, And I sit there, it's my place I like to go. Shoes off, feet on the carpet, TV on, hot drink by my side. This is my most comfortable place. For much of my life, this is where I'd end most of my days. But in COVID, I discovered a whole new world. My phone was overtaken by a bunch of apps that meant I could do most of my life in my recliner. If you look at my phone now, I've got Uber Eats, Coles Online, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Netflix, KO. You know, I could work, I could be social, I could meet with my life group, I could order my dinner, I could clothe myself, and I never had to leave my recliner. This is the ultimate in comfort. The worst it got was when that pesky knock on the door came and I had to take five steps to go and receive the delivery of whatever it was that I'd ordered in a whim the day before. I really like being comfortable. 
And one of the heroes of the Christian faith, someone that we know quite a lot about is a guy by the name of Paul. Many know him as the Apostle Paul. And he's responsible for writing large patches of the New Testament. We get little snippets in Paul's writing about his story and his testimony. And we get a sense that for much of his life, Paul's life was comfortable. He writes to a church in a place called Philippi these words. He says, If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now that doesn't say a lot about creature comfort, but we can read enough between the lines to get the sense that Paul was articulate, he was educated, he was connected, and he held a position of significant power and authority in the community. That probably means that Paul was living a fairly comfortable life. And then something miraculous happens in Paul's story. He has an encounter with the living Jesus. One day he's blinded and it says that he he encounters the living Jesus. And in that moment, Paul's whole story and testimony changes. Everything is turned upside down. You know, over the years, I've heard people try to encourage people into the Christian faith by saying things like this. Give your life to Jesus and everything's just going to fall in its place. Give your life to Jesus and it's going to be really easy and comfortable. Give your life to Jesus and He will bless you. And while there are some part truths in those statements, the Bible never promises that in this life following Jesus is going to come with a safe and a comfortable existence. Paul outlines a little bit more of what his story became as he began his life following Jesus. To another church in Corinth, he writes these words. And if I was going to start it, he would start like this. Since I met Jesus, five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. In other words, whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I actually spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." Paul says, since I discovered Jesus and stepped into His purpose for my life, I've been whipped, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, naked, hungry, exhausted, without friends, in the open sea. This was not a great story, but that's just the Apostle Paul's story, right? 2,000 years ago, the world looked really different, right? Surely if Jesus is going to call me, it won't be quite as rugged as that. Uh, many if of us know the wonderful Eleanor Chobo, our missions pastor here at Gateway. Would you put your hands together for Eleanor tonight? I feel very privileged to stand on this stage because this is a place for some of my heroes. Morris and Eleanor are two of my heroes. Eleanor was a young adult here at Gateway only a couple of years ago when she heard the call of God on her life 
And as a trained school teacher, she didn't exactly know what that meant. And Eleanor would say, if you asked her if she wanted to be a missionary, she said, no way. But she just kept taking those small steps of following Jesus when he called and found herself serving Jesus in many countries across the world for nearly three decades. It's an incredible story. I said to Eleanor this week, do you reckon you could write your own testimony like Paul's? And she said, well, I'll have a go. This is the email I got. I've been called a fool, irresponsible and ridiculed for leaving my job and financial security as a school teacher to go into mission and to live by faith. To live by faith means with no financial certainty outside the generous support of others. I've been told the only reason I became a missionary was because I couldn't get married. I've been accused of being in a cult. I've been threatened with beating. I've been investigated and taken to the police station for further questioning. I've been in multiple earthquakes and war zones. On four occasions, I've had my life threatened with death. I've been caught up in several community riots as I preach the gospel. I've been expelled from homes and halls on numerous occasions. I've been insulted and mocked more times than I can count. I've been sexually insulted several times. I've been hospitalised with all sorts of diseases and I've witnessed people being severely beaten and some dying as a result of their faith. I've been stripped searched by police. I've been robbed and pickpocketed. I could go on. How good does mission sound? Any marketing expert will tell you that this is a not a great way to encourage people or to convince people to jump on board with a life of following Jesus into ministry and into mission. I mean, surely what we should be doing is putting some photos up tonight of exotic locations, exotic food, new friends, different cultures, and a great adventure where you just get to spend your days leading people to Jesus. But I know if you took five minutes with anyone that stood earlier as part of our Gateway Beyond team that has served Jesus significantly on the mission field, every one of them would be able to tell you a story like the one that Eleanor wrote for me. The same could be said if you want to step outside of mission and vocational ministry of anyone that's seriously taken the call of Jesus into their workplace or on their job site or into their classroom and tried to live as a person of mission, wherever it is that God's placed them. There is a cost to following Jesus into mission. But we shouldn't be surprised by this because Jesus tells us that it's going to be like that. One day he tells a parable, it's recorded in Luke chapter 14, and he says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. He then goes on to say this, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. I want you to hear this. There is a cost that comes from following Jesus into mission in a lost, hurting and broken world. It might cost you friendship. It'll certainly cost you financially. It might cost you some of the dreams that you'd set aside for yourself. But there is a cost. The cost you pay may not be the same in a expression as that that Ellen has expressed or that that the Apostle Paul writes. But there is always a cost. But you know what? I do an injustice to Paul and I do an injustice to Eleanor if I left the story there. 
Just after Eleanor sent me that email, I got a, a series of texts. The first one said this, do you need more or is that enough? I said, oh, I think that should probably be enough, Eleanor. And there's some things I left off that we probably can't speak of because some of the experiences got more harrowing. But then she wrote this, God has been so faithful to me over these 29 years. If you ask Eleanor, would you have chosen the comfortable path or would you have chosen the adventure of following Jesus? I know what she'd say. And if you had the same opportunity to ask the Apostle Paul, I think he would say something like the words that he wrote to the church in Philippi when he says this, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul's testimony was this. As I will go on the adventure of following Jesus, there was a significant personal cost, but there was a more significant personal prize. And it was the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, there's an invitation that Jesus makes to all of us and it's this. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? The crazy thing is when he asks us to follow, he rarely gives us a roadmap. He doesn't show you exactly where the adventure is going to go. I think because if he showed many of us, we'd opt out before we even set out. And for some of you, it might lead you down a path that's relatively comfortable. Life mightn't look that different. It's not more spiritual when things go bad. But for some of you, Jesus might lead you down a path that you never would have expected or written into your own story. But when you follow Jesus, regardless of where he takes you, you will discover an adventure and a purpose that you can find nowhere else. And I know that one day you too will look back and say, I consider everything loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, embedded in the idea of following is the idea of movement. God is never stagnant. God is always on the move. We're teaching through a series at church at the moment on revival. And I, if you type Google, uh, revival into Google and you look at the image search, all you will get bombarded with is Pictures of fire and pictures of hundreds of people with their arm raised in a slightly smoked worship environment. They're the images that we give of revival. And many of us, our hearts yearn to step weekly into gathered spaces where there's just a tangible sense of God at work. We crave that in every moment. But revival is about a move of the Spirit of God, but it's also about a move of God's spirit in and through his people. See, revival isn't a stagnant place to be. It is about movement. And it's only when we start moving that we get to experience the depth of spiritual fervor that so many of us desire. It's like when you book in to go to a buffet. I like buffets, they're good. But you know when you get talked into having breakfast or lunch that day? And then you turn up to the buffet disappointed because there's a whole lot of good food that you suddenly don't feel hungry for anymore, but you feel compelled to eat it because you've paid for the buffet. Anyone else got this experience? Well, on my own here. We're going to be the same with our faith. 
We can just chase the spiritual experience without exercising our faith so that we come hungry. And when you get moving in following Jesus, a spiritual hunger rises in you that you are so dependent on His power and His presence that you run into every space you can and you raise your arms and you open your heart and you say, I need more of you, Jesus. That's what revival looks like. Not sitting on your hands waiting for God to turn up and do His thing. Allowing God to stir something in you that gets you moving because God isn't stagnant and God is on the move and His call to you is, will you follow? The more we get active, the more miraculously our hunger for everything that God has increases. And God wants to open some doors for you to walk into as you choose to follow Him. As a church, we believe God's opening some new doors in our future, in our local communities, in nations across the world. As we launch and expand care ministries, as we plant more churches, and as we send more people to the nations to serve Jesus. And God's opening some new doors. I wonder what door He's going to open for you. You see, you can only step into what God has for you if you're willing to take up the call to follow and to take that first step. I reckon if some of us do that, one of the doors God's going to open is to serve the poorest of the poor. Some of you are going to be called to serve the poorest of the poor. I visited a a slum just like this one many years ago now. I've never felt my heart break more significantly. It was a slum on government land that was set up because there was a river that ran beside it that was the flow out from an industrial area where there was an ice factory. And because of the water source, people built their houses out of whatever they could find to create a shelter. And the water source became the place where you would drink, the place where you would bathe, and the place where you would toilet. Just depends what part of the river you went to as to which of the three Activities you were partaking in. I've never felt the pain of poverty more than when I stood in this environment. You know, as followers of Jesus, every single one of us is called to have God's heart for the poor. Jesus himself said, I've come and I'm good news for the poor. And some of us are going to be called to give generously, with abundant generosity, because this isn't okay. But I reckon as some of you take that first step of saying, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you, he's going to open some doors that you're going to step into where you're going to dedicate your life to serving the poorest of the poor. God's going to open some doors for some of us where we're actually going to take what we've already been trained in and use it not to build our own kingdom, but to build his. We heard Anna's story earlier. This is a photo of Ryan, Anna's husband. Two young professionals from just down the road here, one an occupational therapist, one a pilot, that could have made great careers and great income staying put, but just felt the stir of God to use the thing that he'd already put in their hand, the skill set that they'd already developed to go and serve him. And God's already given some of you some things that, that you've been trained in, that you're skilled in, that you're good at. And all he wants you to do is say, as you follow me, I'm going to show you how you can use that to build my kingdom and not your own. For some of you, it's going to mean that you're going to go to the ends of the earth. For others, you're going to stay put right here. 
but you're just gonna come open-handed before God and say, God, whatever I have is yours. Show me how I can use it to build your kingdom and not my own. Some of you are gonna be called to step through an open door in serving the lost and the hurt and the broken in your very local community. Gateway Care, that's part of every one of our campuses, has practical support that we give to people in their moment of need. And we're always looking for people that want to join the team to help uh, facilitate that. We also have an incredible counselling centre out there. And some of you are going to be called to study social sciences and social work. Some of you are going to be called to become mental health professionals and counsellors. We, we live in a community where there's an epidemic of loneliness where there's greater levels of anxiety than ever been felt or experienced before, where depression is debilitating many people. And as you say yes to Jesus, and as you say, I'm gonna take that step, God, wherever you call, I will follow. He's gonna lead you through this door to make a tangible difference in the lives of the broken and the hurting and the needy in your very community. Some of you are gonna walk through a door well, you're going to help do something like this. This is the privilege that I get to be part of. 10 years ago, my family and I got to step out and be part of planning a brand new Gateway Campus in a beautiful part of the Northern Gold Coast called Ormo. Who here's from Ormo tonight? Oh gosh. <laughs> Don't put your hand up, make some noise. <laughs> thank, thank you. A group of ordinary people that had a passion for Jesus and believed that when Jesus said 2,000 years ago that the gates of hell would not prevail against my church, that He meant it. We live in a culture that many people say is post-Christian. In other words, the only way they know of Jesus is as a punchline to a joke or as an expletive when things get tough. And the only thing many people know about the church is the stories they hear in the media or the stories they hear from friends who have been hurt by terrible things that the church or people that are part of churches have been part of doing. But Jesus still wants to use His church to transform communities because the church carries the good news of Jesus. And some of you here tonight are going to be part of planting churches that go to new communities and tell more people that Jesus is kind and gracious and loving and compassionate and wants to transform their life. And it's not going to be an easy journey. I could tell you my own stories. But it's going to be a fruitful one. And you're going to be part of it. And you may not know that that's where God's leading you, but one day He's just going to open that door and invite you to step right into it. For some of us here, all God wants to do for us tonight is to change our perspective. And as we open this door, we realise it's the door that we walk through every day. Into our workplace, into our schoolyard, our university campus, onto the job site, maybe just into your own neighbourhood. And God's going to give you a change of heart and a change of perspective to help you recognise that wherever He's placed you, He's got you on mission. And wherever you go any day, He wants you to be His representative, His ambassador, to help people not just see and experience, but know the good news of Jesus, the God that gave everything for them because of His love for them. See, we can step through the doors that we step through every day and just go through the motions and always think about the thing that God has in store for us somewhere down there. God's got something in store for you tomorrow, 
right here as He helps you minister to those that you live, work and laugh with. I don't know what God, what doors God's going to open for each of us. What I do know is that when we're obedient and when He invites us to follow, when we say, yes, Lord, He'll look after the story. We've just got to keep taking a step towards His voice. As we land tonight, I believe tonight's going to be a really important and watershed moment for many of us. I think some of us right now have just been standing back waiting for God to unveil the, uh, unveil the plan, give us the roadmap, what's it all look like? Tonight, what He wants to say to you is this, I invite you to follow. I just want you to take that first step. Some of you here tonight have been on the journey for a while and there's a door that you need to step through. You just need the courage to take that first step. And it's the door of intentional training for mission and ministry. Wherever God's got you, whatever vocation you're in, that's the mission field God's put you in. But I want to speak to a small group of us tonight because God's got His finger on some of you to actually step into the story that Eleanor lived and that Morris lived and that Lisa and Roger are living and all of our Beyond workers that stood up that at some point in their life heard the call of God into full-time vocational mission or into full-time vocational ministry. And we've got some tools that I want to tell you about because some of you need to actually begin the investigation. We have this incredible ministry school here. It's called GMS. Are there some GMS students in the room tonight? I like you more than the Ormo people. <laughs> and GMS is a place where you can go to discover who God created you to be, where, but where you can start doing what Morris encouraged you to do and formalising some of your training of understanding the Word, of reading the Word, of studying the Word, and of equipping yourself for ministry. Uh, Ellen is organising some short-term mission trips coming up in the later part of this year. And maybe you've just got this little burning desire that maybe God's encouraging you to step into mission. Uh, one of the best first steps that you can take is to go on a short-term team and to go and expose yourself to what God's doing in some different parts of the world. We've also got a great course coming up here called Sent. And Sen is a place where you can discover who God's created you to be and what He's inviting you into. And it's gonna start soon. And if, if you know that the door you need to step through is a very intentional door into training or into a Sent course or into a short-term team, on your seats tonight, you'll see some QR codes. Get your phones out now or you young guys, don't pretend like you haven't already been on them. Get them out, scan that QR code right now. Scan that QR code so it's in your phone. So even if you're driving home, you think, oh, I should have done something with that. And you'll see that on there, there's an opportunity to respond to let us know if you'd like to know more about GMS or the Send course or one of our short-term teams. If that's the door that God wants to step you through, I encourage you to take that. Because sometimes I think we stay stagnant waiting for God to hand us the roadmap when really all He asks is that we're obedient when He calls us to follow. Jesus walked and called His first disciples and all He said was, Peter and Andrew, follow me. You know what they did? Took a step out of their boat. Matthew, the tax collector, come follow me. Matthew took a step out of his tax collector booth and tonight He wants to say to a whole bunch of us, will you follow me? 
you don't know where this is going to lead, but I just want to know if you've got the courage to be obedient and to take the first step. Can we all stand together tonight? Right now, I'm going to invite our Gateway Beyond workers that are here and the pastoral teams from our different campuses. Would you all come to the front tonight? We're going to have a moment where I'm going to invite you to pray for some people here. Why don't you just come and stand along the front of the stage? Jesus' call is really simple, but it's going to cost you something significant if you respond. And the call is this. Will you follow me? And if your answer to that is yes, here's what I'd love you to do tonight. Wow, there's a lot of you guys. We're going to do a lot of praying tonight. Here's what we're going to do. If your response to Jesus' call to follow is, yes, Lord, I'm willing to take the first step. As the band sings this song over us, what I'd love you to do is to step out from where you are, to come down and just as something symbolic, we're going to get you to step through one of these doors across the auditorium tonight. Just to say, God, I've heard your call. I'm willing to follow and I'll step through whatever door you open for me. And as you do that, this team here, some of these people are going to grab you and they're going to pray God's blessing over you. They're going to pray that God's Spirit would fill you with courage, that He'd give you clarity around your next step, that He'd surround you with good, godly, wise people that are going to help mentor you in that journey and that He will take you on an adventure of a lifetime where your testimony will be, I consider everything else I could have done with my life a loss because I got the joy of discovering Jesus and all that He purposed for me. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.